Welcome back, everybody. We uh, are having so much fun having you guys at the podcast here. Uh, we just take a little time uh, in the week to uh, meet with you, gather together, and just recap the message over the weekend. All of them are different, you know. Now we preach, uh, have like four sermons every weekend, and all of them are a little bit different. And uh, sometimes with the time constraints, we don't get to say everything we'd like to say. So this gives us a little opportunity to go a little deeper, to learn a little more, some stuff we may have had to cut out of it, put in, and just uh, hopefully submit your questions. So if any of you have questions that come up as we uh, go through the weekend, uh, we'd love to hear about them and be able to bring it here. Guys, thank you all for being here. Thanks for being a part of it. Thank you. It's yeah. been fun. It has been fun. I think it's one of my favorite. I don't think I've said this yet, but that, that, Micah 6 eight is probably one of my favorite verses. Hmm. Um, just the idea of how this is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> That's exactly what I need. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times we get caught up in the idea of like, what am I called to do? You know, and I really think just do these things. That's what you're called to do. Um, and so I love the way you, you kick that off and just kind of break that down. Um, and that first point you made in there, the we must never surrender our spiritual authority to try and win a political victory. Um, I think you might have got a few toes on that one. What do you think? Oh, I was concerned about that statement going in because, uh, you know, there's such a, there's so many crazy things going on in the world and there's so much we see in the news, the media, the government, the culture, mm-hmm. et cetera that as Christians really trouble us, you know, and uh, they easily make us angry, you know, when you see things happen. There's some troubling things going on around us, but I'm not going to let that steal my kindness, you know. And I was, it's it's delicate with some people because some people are really uh, militant, you know, about um, take a stand and, you know, they want you. It's almost like you feel a pressure to be mad, you know. Yeah. You feel a pressure even, I felt it from some, not uh, some that have bent it upward and some that have passed through, you know, have wanted me to, it feels like they want me to be more angry in the pulpit, you know? And uh, so I knew going in that would be delicate and uh, I'm not far enough into the week to figure out if we had any pushback from it. I didn't experience any. I think it helped people. Um, Kindness, it's not weakness. It's not... I said this in one of them, it's not about rolling over and just closing your eyes to compromise or going along with the world or anything like that. Um, I truly believe the kindest people are the ones who are able to make the strongest stand and are actually able to influence change. So yeah, I'm sure it was a delicate, and but I, oftentimes what we need to hear is rather delicate. Yeah. I like what you just said just there. It's not a weakness. Which even sounds like when you say it out loud, obviously, yeah, kindness isn't weak, but I think maybe a lot of people think kindness is a weakness. Like, if I am kind in the midst of this, I'm, I am kind of rolling over. I'm kind of just giving in. Um, I think my favorite point you made out of all the services, I think you only made it at one of them, <laughs> but I could be wrong. Um, you were talking about, because a lot of people bring up, like, Jesus throwing tables over and all that kind of stuff, and you, you just simply said, well, he did that in the church. And I think really that indeed communicated exactly <laughs> what it needed to. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah it. It, people get the idea that kindness just means, okay, well, I'm okay with what you say, and I'm not going to disagree with mm-hmm. you. And I, it's even defined that by culture, I think. I think the, the, the struggles that we have so much is that the 
the people that are struggling and redefining a lot of stuff that we don't think needs, we know does not need redefining. Terrible way to say that, I guess, but those folks often want to push upon us that when we just simply disagree, we're being unkind. Mm -hmm. But the message I think needs to be said and shouted from the rooftops is you can disagree in a kind way. Right. You can be kind and completely disagree with what someone's saying or doing. And uh, I think we have to learn to do that in the church. We have to learn to exist with people on the planet and, and even as a church to reach people on this planet who disagree with our beliefs. You know, sometimes 180 degrees difference. We, we have to learn how to do that in a kind way though. Right. You know, I was thinking, thinking through this, uh, thinking through the whole idea of kindness. And if you ask most, if you ask most Christians, what is the defining characteristic of, of a Christian? Most of them are going to come back to that word love, right? Mm -hmm. It's and, and it's, it's encapsulated in who God is. But uh, if you go back through and you read back through Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, when he talks about that famous chapter in thirteen, one of the one of the definitions of love is kindness. So you cannot be. You, you cannot have that characteristic of love without finding a way to treat people with kindness. And oftentimes that just comes back to being treating people with respect. Um, and, and that means that if I disagree with you, I can do so in a way that still honors you and still respects, respects who you are and respects you know, uh, your opinion, even though I may not agree with it. And I think the way you defined it yesterday was I think that we're on different planets <laughs> with, the, with the vantage point here. But I can still treat you as an individual with respect, even though we're not going to see eye to eye on yeah. this issue. Yeah. yeah, you can do that. It may not always be accepted. You right. know, some people think our beliefs as Christians make us haters or bigots even. You hear that word a lot. You're walking in hate or you're a bigot, you know, and that word's overused a whole lot. It's almost like some people just want to play that as the card that just trumps everything. Yeah. You're a bigot, done, yeah. canceled, you know. Right. I'm sorry, I don't accept that. I'm not a bigot because I'd see the world differently from you. You expect me yeah. to, uh, I'm going to try not to be unkind right now, but you expect <laughs> me to tolerate your worldview, and not only do you expect me to tolerate it, you expect me to push my own worldview down and my, my beliefs. Yeah. I'm supposed to toss them away because of what you believe. What could be more? That's, that's bullying right there. And yeah. so then, this way I see the world, and you either have to see it that way or you hate me. That's simply not true. Yeah. Simply not no, and the true. beauty of kindness in the middle of that, though, is the people that really know you, they know, no, he's, that's a kind person. That's a good man. He's... He's doing what he's doing out of love or out of kindness. It's not, it's not bigoted. It's not hateful. That is so much problem with tweeting. <laughs> tweeting. The tweeter. Facebooking, Instagram, whatever you call it. Posting on social media has it's just connected us with a bunch of people that we don't really know them. Mm -hmm. We don't see their lives. We don't see how they treat their spouses and their children. We don't see their work habits. We don't see anything about them. They're just a face there and a name. And all we see is... Uh, few characters on the screen and we don't know who they really are mm -hmm. and that's uh, I'm trying to live much more locally just live my life in front of people that can see me and know me and know who mm -hmm. I am you know I'm not I'm not trying to change the world right now I'm trying to change my community yeah. I think we'd be better that's off good. if more of us did that mm -hmm. and that can be done through kindness yeah that's why we have a number of people attending Upper Christian Fellowship right now and I see them there they don't agree with us about a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, there are people there who just do not agree with a lot of our worldviews and a lot of biblical views. There are people there who, 
you know, would not accept the Bible's word of God. It's certainly not a majority, but there are people there uh, who are that way. But I notice many of them just keep coming because they actually know. They're learning that we are kind people. And I think we may be rewriting some of that cultural narrative that's in their mind. And I hope to be doing that. I hope so. It's good. Yeah. yeah. I love the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> in talking about kindness, somehow we came to Paul. Because when you think about Paul, he, he's not, you don't think of, you know, the weak type person that I think a lot of people have in their mind, like, oh, the rollover, the pushover, what do you want to call it? And, um, and then you brought up where he says to put on kindness. Um, and, I, and I really like that, that concept of it's not, it's not just something that you're born with or, you know, even when you accept Jesus, now you have kindness and you're, it's, no, I have to make a choice today. If you really read uh, into, if you really read what's there, I would think the evidence is pretty strong that Paul was not a kind man by nature. Um, yeah. You read, uh, he's a very religious man, he's a very intelligent, educated man, but he was out killing Christians or at least imprisoning them. He was persecuting the church when Jesus appeared to him. Go on into his ministry. He's got this big fight with Peter one time. You know, he's he and Peter are duking it out. And Paul's probably Paul's in the right. He called Peter out on something. Mm-hmm. We we sometimes we forget that. The early church, we think it was just all glory and power and everybody was perfect. No, Paul and Peter had a big fight. And there's pretty big names in scripture. Paul called Peter out on you know, um, things eating with Gentiles, yep. you know, he would do that. But when his Jewish brothers came into town, he kind of backed off and Paul called him out on it. Paul and Barnabas, you know, with this missionary team, you know, that's going out changing the world. And then um, Mark, John Mark, you know, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, um, quit on, you know, and, and was a young man who was unstable. And Barnabas wanted to, and it goes into what we say, Barnabas was the guy wanting to restore him. Yep. And Paul's like, no way, I'm I, I'm done with this kid. And they split off. That's why you got Paul and Silas instead of Paul and Barnabas. There's a fight between Paul and Barnabas, a disagreement at least, over Mark, you know. So I think Paul, he had to put on kindness. And you'll see later in, uh, I'm trying to remember the book. I didn't intend to go down this road, but later on in Paul's life, he actually called for Mark and said, bring him on. And it's like you get a picture of the older Paul learned something about restoration. That's good. And so uh, he chose to put that on as well. So you don't have to be a, a kind person by nature to put it on. You know, I almost see him preaching to himself, like, I'm going to write this again. Be kind. <laughs> Tenderhearted. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like, oh, Lord, uh, people don't always realize this. They'll come up to me and say, wow, that message really touched me. And I'll say, well, it did me too. Because they don't realize that as preachers, we're being impacted by that word. I think the most powerful preaching is when the preacher has been personally impacted by that mm-hmm. needed it as much as anybody and I can tell you many times people say I really needed that I'm like, I, I feel like I needed that the most of anybody in the room today because mm-hmm. we're just instruments we're not coming up with this stuff right it's a message that's far older than us and it's just applied by the Holy Spirit through us in new ways if you take that uh, if you think that that thought process there with Paul and uh, and John Mark, 
uh, Paul was leading the way in a little bit of cancel culture before cancel culture became a, became a thing. You know, he was, you know, he's canceling John Mark at that, but then he seemed to be putting back into practice that idea of, a, you know, as a follower of Christ, we're not going to buy into this cancel culture thing where uh, my role is to be done with you, but my role is to help restore you. Um, and so removing that cancel culture and putting kingdom culture uh, into the mix. Yeah. We don't cancel people. We're not done with people. People are going to fall. People are human. Mm-hmm. Uh, three of us right here, human. We're capable of falling. We're capable of doing dumb things. Um, everybody you meet is capable of it, uh, no matter how strong they think they are. Right. And God's called us to surround those people with love and restore people like that. Um, we're not done. There comes a time when you do have to separate from people, when you got toxic, toxic situations going on. And, violent situations where mm-hmm. people are really being hurt, yeah, there's a time to draw the line and not have a relationship with somebody anymore. It's not what we're talking about here. What yeah. we're talking about here is people who are struggling and stumbling and uh, falling into things, sometimes even willingly, but they still want to do the right thing and there's still enough enough in the relationship there that they want to learn. Yeah. I love the way you put that no. this weekend too about, I don't remember it word for word, but basically... We're not we're not called to be umpires and yeah, Michael or Muth. We're we're not umpires. We're uh, lifeguards. Yeah. We're not about calling people safer out. We're about tossing out lifelines, you know. And I think that's so so critical. Um, I said this, and it really I had not the, this thought had not really crystallized in my mind. But just because you're saved and following Jesus does not mean you're right about everything, mm-hmm. you know. I see so many Christians that just, it seems like they're right about everything. You know, you see on social media, they've got a comment on everything. I mean, I just get tired of it. I really do. Uh, No matter what it is, politics, whoever their candidate is, he's the only candidate. I mean, that's it, you know, no matter which of three or four it may be, you know, this is it or whichever, even sports teams, whichever sports team they pull for, and whatever drama is going on in the sports world, they got to weigh in on that. You know, you got Mar Hamlin, you know, that situation. I see so many Christians weighing in on this and that and the other, and I think he posted something online that somebody didn't like after the prayer, and I don't even remember what it was, and it's almost like they were questioning the whole deal because he tweeted something that didn't sound right to them. And I'm sure... He's not a perfect individual either. <laughs> and whatever you think about that's fine, but it's just Christians think somehow we're all called to be cultural commentators on everything that goes on. Sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut and let things pass and do good where you can, sow seed where you can, and let other people's drama be their drama and go on. Yeah. And I think that this might be next week, but we'll jump into it anyway. Like, I think there's power in just saying... Oh, I wasn't right. Like being willing to, I think that is an act of kindness to be able to go back and just say, hey, I messed up, that was wrong. Um, Totally. I I mentioned yesterday, I had, uh, Alex and I had uh, dinner with a couple in the church uh, last week and and they're just precious people. They're involved in uh, ministry to families, parenting and children, guys a PhD in family counseling, you know, and, and just a great mind, both of them great mind, great heart to serve God and the biblical worldview, all that. And, and he just told me this statement that I used yesterday. When you're in a situation and you don't understand and you're disagreeing with a person and you feel like you're on different planets, 
don't don't rush to judgment. Don't get judgmental. Get curious. Mm-hmm. And that word out there is one that the world uses a lot in, in kind of a way that I don't like. But I think the heart of that is not not compromise. The heart of it is just to take a deep breath, to not react too quickly. Some of it's just about slowing down. Yeah. Don't take a deep breath. Don't react quickly. Don't rush to judgment. Don't slap a label on them and put them in a box and mm-hmm. off to the side with you. But honestly, try to find out what's really going on inside them. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes the presenting problem is not the real problem. The, mm-hmm. the issue that you see is not the real problem. You know? And even the person in that, I've been there before in my own life when the, the problem that I thought I had wasn't really what was going on. And I needed somebody willing to look past my front mm-hmm. and get into what was really happening inside my heart for me to really get set free of some things. That's for me personally. And that applies to people who are struggling with all kinds of things, you know? I mean, Christians are so quick. I'll jump in right on one of them. The transgender uh, community, I guess you would call it, the people who are, who are dealing with that, I see that as a struggle. They may see it as breaking free into who they really are. I don't agree with that. I see it as a struggle. Um, when you when you just see that on the media or on social media or wherever you see it, it's so easy to just, as Christians, label those people and push them to the side and just give up on them and distance ourselves. When you sit down and talk with a person who's dealing with that, if you talk with them long enough, you'll start to get beneath that whole thing and you'll be able to see some things there that contributed to that struggle and when you begin to see those things the mercy starts rising in you because you, you begin to see it they're not just a, a person with a political or cultural label on mm-hmm. them they become an actual person there and you begin to see some of the hurt and the struggle and you begin to have sympathy for that that does not mean that has to lead you or should lead you to compromise what you believe. No. But it just means it opens up mercy when you're able to get curious about what they're going on. Find out. And it also demonstrates some humility. Because when everybody's struggling with a problem, they don't need your list of three things you can do to change your life. They certainly don't need you coming into their life like you're the authority about everything. Right. They need somebody willing to listen to them. Does that mean people will always make the decision we want them to make? No. But I want to give them every opportunity to know Jesus. Well, once again, it seems like they we're coming back to the idea of focusing more on the person than the individual. Focus on who that individual is rather than the label that's been placed mm-hmm. upon them, whether we placed it there or somebody else placed it there, mm-hmm. that that person becomes more important than, uh, than whatever issue we are talking about mm-hmm. at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I think a lot of times... The, ch- the church, I'm not saying our church, just the church in general, we are known for being, which it, it's one of those things that really weighs heavy on me, if I'm being honest. Like, we're known for being that group of people that, you know, we've really honed in on a few communities or really specific things that we're not okay with. But we've all, I mean, we could probably name a list between the three of us the things we need to work on. But for whatever reason, the church is coming after these few things, you know. Um, and why isn't kindness being put in that direction mm-hmm. the same way that we've received mm-hmm. it, you know? Um, and that's what I think a lot of people just go, I don't understand. Like, mm-hmm. Where's where's that kindness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
there are those in in various communities out there and various different beliefs. There are those who are really um, almost militant about their beliefs, who are like uh, and who are like you're going to believe like I believe, like we said before, or we're enemies. You hate right. me and all that. There are those like that. Not everybody dealing with those issues is like that. There's some of them that I've I've spoken to that are very. Um, very much this is how I choose to live my life but I don't demand that you alter right. your beliefs for mine and I'm not trying to say that makes unbiblical behavior right by any means right. I'm not trying to say that what I am trying to say is there are people out there who are open to the message of Jesus Christ and can receive from Jesus and be changed not everybody's out there trying to fight a cultural war against the church yeah. some, some people some of them honestly just want to be free to live their lives and yeah. not be persecuted and I don't think anyone should be persecuted for those things. I don't think we should single them out and bring harm to them and hate them. I, obviously, I don't. The message of Jesus is a message of love Amen. and forgiveness mm -hmm. and repentance and restoration. I know that's hard for some people to receive. I really do. I understand that. But I just think if we as the church would be better at demonstrating kindness and the love of Christ, we'd reach more people for Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And I love how you practically gave us some ways at the end. And they're very obvious, like, just be nice. <laughs> you know, like, let that guy in. Now, I do feel like I have to speak up for the other half of the people Go ahead. who know what the zipper technique is when you're driving. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Tell us, about the, tell us about the zipper technique for driving. The zipper technique is where you go all the way down both lanes, and then every other car lets a car in like a zipper. And studies show that it keeps traffic moving. And I now I know I've just marginalized half of our viewers. Or Including more, but, me. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, the right way to do it, I would agree to this. And I guess if they weren't there, the biggest push, the biggest thing I got was when I said let people in in traffic, which is, is uh, people are just... That was there was a visceral reaction oh, to that. Yeah. Well, there really you, was. You could hear it in the room. <laughs> if you live around here, you've been on I twenty six and all yeah. the road construction that's going on there, and you recognize how difficult I was and, how, for the uh, and how stressful that is. <laughs> oh man, it is because you just get these things. What we don't like, what I don't like, is guys who cheat the system and try to go around and just. You can you tell see them get out driving. of the left lane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see them just weaving in and out and trying to beat the system. And my my nature is I'm going to show them. Oh, yeah. I could go from zero to 80 on the anger level in my car faster than anywhere else. I thought he meant in his car. <laughs> I could go from zero to 80 in my car faster than anywhere else. I mean, on the, on the scale of anger, I can go from nothing to really bad so fast in my car. And I don't, I'm not like that outside the car, but in the car, I just get ticked off at people who are selfish. And you can see by the way they drive. So my fleshly instincts show them, don't let them in. Yep. The best thing to do is if, when you're in merging traffic, if everybody would just let one car in, exactly. life would be a whole lot better. It's the Don't second person I'm go by. It's the second person, yeah. You're not you getting one. I give you one, but I'm not giving you two. Good way to, I mean, that's fine. You don't have to stop and let the whole world pass you, but uh, if everybody just let a car in, so. the world be a better place? If, if This is real. Think yeah, about it like this. When we talk about trying to change the world, we don't mean pull over and stop and let everybody go by you. If everybody could just touch one, mm -hmm. you know, if everybody could just let one person in, be kind to one, the world would be a better place. And the interstate would flow a lot better. There you yeah. go. 
That's but, what they're really trying to do. But that was a reaction that really <laughs> hit people. And that I was think, the hardest thing. I think, honestly, I don't want to super spiritualize something funny, but I think God was doing something in that. Because I had people telling me afterwards in the lobby, yeah, yeah something does get in my heart that's yeah. not right in that. Yeah. And I've got to, I got to let Jesus have that. So one guy Thursday night, I told it, just was against it, man. He told me at the end of the sermon, I'm not doing it. He loud enough to where people could hear it. I'm not letting anybody in. And he did. Then he did. I told him he would, and uh, he texted me through the week and said he did. I love it. Very good. That's good. Yeah, it's been a fun series. I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I really have. Next week's going to be good with humility. Church been doing so well. Three services going so well. People just uh, pack it in there, and it's been fun. Love it. Yeah. Very good. It's been good. Well, thanks for being with us. Uh, it's been a good time, and we'll see you guys next time.